From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We're back with Rachel Armstrong of Farm Commons to talk about legal issues on one's farm and digging into the concept of risk. Hear about how Rachel personally embraces risk and how to find your own sweet spot in running your farm business when marketing in a regional food hub. Rachel Armstrong is the founder and executive director of Farm Commons, a nonprofit organization that exists to empower farmers to understand and create their own solutions to business law challenges in an ecosystem of support. She strives to make farm law approachable and relevant to every farmer. We are back with Rachel Armstrong of Farm Commons talking about legal issues on one's farm and particularly this aspect of risk, which I'm finding really interesting talking to you about, Rachel, because it's a wide net, right, of how people interpret risk and what it is. And it sort of has a bad I don't say bad rap, if you will, but you know, people think risk is bad, but it's all part of your business, right? Or what's your, how do you define risk? Oh, I'm a risk taker. Oh, see, so, <laughs> good to start You know, there. I'm like, risk is exciting. Uh-huh. You know, risk, risk, risk makes the blood pump and makes you get out of bed in the morning. Um, so I think that, uh, I think that's a tricky thing for me as an attorney, because a lot of attorneys are highly risk averse. They love rules. They like certainty. I hate rules. Certainty, I mean, you know, that has some some charm to it, but I don't want too much in my life. Um, so I do think people fall all over the spectrum there. But the people who tend to research the law are more risk adverse. They have realized there is a thing out there. I should probably know it. Um, it might impact my business one day. Someone will show up at my doorstep with some terrible news, and I should figure that out beforehand. So that's really, that is a good impulse. And Mm -hmm. that is something that we should recognize and honor and investigate. But it isn't something that should paralyze us. If we let risk paralyze us, we would never put a seed in the ground. There's any number of things that could happen to that, that, that poor seed. Farming is an inherently uncertain enterprise. So I want that to, to feel empowering. I want people to hear that and say, oh, I already manage risk all the time. Wait, this is a part of my daily life. It absolutely is. And legal risk is no different. And that's where you hear the term, risk management. It's not risk avoidance or running clear of risk. And it's now, in a good way, our local food economies are growing and there's more local food hubs. And bottom line, more things happening. Mm -hmm. When one is in one of those local food uh, hubs and regional food systems, what are some key things to think about? Right, right. So... It's, uh, you know, take the analogy of, um, of production. Um, I'm going to grow sweet corn. What are the risks of growing sweet corn? Well, there's weather, temperature, insects, animals, you know, all the things that could happen. And what do I do? 
I just create a plan. I anticipate, okay, how likely is it that raccoons are going to get into my sweet corn patch? How effective is this one fence that I could use? Same with if you want to move your products through a specific market channel, like a food hub. Well, okay, so I'm going to sell my sweet corn through the food hub. How much product do they want? Um, how much of it are they going to sell? What's going to happen if it doesn't sell? Uh, what sort of price am I going to get from for it? When do they want it? How will they store it? What are the chances that the quality is going to decrease because they didn't store it right? Will they tell the customer that it's my sweet corn? All of that is a part of managing the risk to the product. Think of everything that's going to go wrong with that particular arrangement and how that food hub or distribution mechanism functions and figure out what you're going to do if it does go wrong. That's a good place to Before start. Before you do anything. Yeah. Yeah, say start. yeah. 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 It, it, it can't sound a little too overwhelming because we can't possibly imagine every single contingency. But we just start with the basics. What are you selling for me? When? How? Who gets paid? So cover the fundamentals. Then do put on your, you know, tragedies and crises hat. Um, think through a few of those uh, and see how things are shaking out. Do you feel comfortable with this? Are you getting the answers that you need that let you know they have also thought these things through? Ultimately, at the end of the day, if I'm a good attorney, I'm going to tell you that these things get written down on a piece of paper and there is some sort of signification of our agreement. A lot of people would say put it in writing and get it signed, but we all know that's a little extreme for the farming community. And that just doesn't happen. The food hub doesn't have this extensive contract uh, and neither does the grocery store or most other market channels. That's not necessarily the point. The point is figure out the contingencies and what the plan is and make sure that you have some way to call upon those in the event that it happens. What I mean is how are you going to remember what they said, you know, if your sweet corn doesn't sell, do they give it back to you? Do they sell it at a discount? Have that in writing somewhere so that you can refer to it when you forget. That's super important. I think it's something farmers, we tend to forget. We're just happy to make the sale, but sort mm -hmm. of, well, what happens other or next right. or in case it, you can't deliver, etc. Not all sales are good sales. Some sales can actually create more risk for you. They can create headaches for you. Like, give me the, what do you mean? Well, so here's an example. <laughs> always like, wait a minute, wait a minute, we sold something. <laughs> right, right. Well, let's say, you know, a farmer is considering her market outlets and she says, well, the CSA looks good. You get the money up front. Um, it's a good deal. I'm going to do it. Uh, and then she discovers... Uh, these people are complaining because they've got too many green beans and now they're mad because the tomato has a bruise on it and I just can't handle these complaints. This is not worth my time. I do not appreciate the customer service aspect of CSA. Her life is actually more difficult because she made the CSA sales. Instead, she might want to reflect and say, no, I need a more streamlined um, sales outlet in my life because I just don't have the tolerance for you know, the, the, the emails at 11 p.m. about the drop site. So that's, that's why I think about it like, what's going to fit into my life? That's a good kind of sale. It's, that's a it's, really good point, Rachel, that I don't think we farmers think, even think about enough, that there's, there's a personal and risk, too, of right. what environments you thrive in. And do you like that challenge of the market every week and mm -hmm. what sells or what won't? Mm -hmm. or contracts with restaurants or maybe wholesale right. that may not be 
as high a sales point, but they're consistent and they're simple and you just drop things right. off, you know? So yeah, right. that's really true. We just sort of go for things. I'm curious, I've never really knew on like a CSA, for example, is how does one manage that from, from the risk management perspective or the mm-hmm. legal perspective in that I realize it's a collaborative sale and people are part of the farm, et cetera. But mm-hmm. is there a legal obligation from the farmer to provide in those senses? Or is it generally a bit more informal, like with what is the actual production? So it depends. Uh, and that sounds like an evasive answer, but um, it just depends on what the two people said to each other. Interesting. So okay, yeah. let me summarize the law of sales. You have to do what you said you would do. That's the law of sales. Any if, topic. Yeah, any it, it, that, that's the law of a lot of things. You know, what's yeah. the law of leasing? Well, you got to do what you said you would do. So it's easier to, it's a little easier to grasp in terms of sales. Uh, if, if your CSA customer gets mad at you and sues you and goes to court and says, I am, you know, court, make the farm, give me back my money. Because here's the brochure, and you said you would, I would that, get this that's box. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So the judge is going to say, well, you know, farm, what did you say you were going to do? Uh, and, you know, assuming there is no concrete sales agreement or member agreement, we're going to look at the brochure. We're going to look at the website. Did you say that you would deliver roughly eight pounds of product, you know, every week from June 1st to August 30th? Well, then that's what you have to do. Unless you have a signed agreement that says, I'll do it except if I can't. And if I can't, too bad, you might get nothing. So I have heard of CSA customers that endeavor to sue the farm because they didn't get what they expected. And of course, the first source for, uh, for any court in that instance is what did each party say that they would do for the other? And did they do it? And that has to do with the marketing side of, of course, you want to authentically market and you need to market what you, people are going to get. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's sort of, again, understanding. It's kind of good things. customer relationships but as well. As, you remind you know. me of a time a couple of years ago where it just seemed there were a lot of young beginning farmers getting into CSA, like their first year out of the chute. Mm-hmm. And that got complicated because they right. weren't in an experienced position to deliver. I mean, CSAs I have the highest regard right. for because that's consistent growing and marketing and delivery, mm-hmm. whereas there's other options. You know, we, with the B&B on our farm, we can, I can cook up anything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. all right. I have, yeah. I have very low risk when it comes to what I'm growing because right. I'm not delivering. But, right. but to what you were saying, it's really understanding both your personal side of mm-hmm. what do I like, but also your experience side of mm-hmm. what can I do, right? And, and not getting in too deep too yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's that's the issue I don't think we think about enough in the farming world, but you bring with your resources, is that once you engage in a relationship, however, sign contract, handshake, mm-hmm. or whatever, there's mm-hmm. still legal obligations for you to deliver, right? Whether yeah. it's weeklies to a restaurant or a CSA member. Right, right. And that isn't to make someone panic, like, oh my God, I'm going to get sued because the, the, the CSA share was seven pounds, not eight pounds. no. The bottom line is you have to do what you said you would do. If you say, reminder, everybody, CSA includes shared risk and shared reward. 
if my crop suffers because of weather, insects, you know, XYZ, you may not get that much. I may skip a week, these things. That's totally legit. You told them. You told them it was a part of the agreement, and that's all you have to do is what you said you would do. And that's an area, too, I think we, we women in the industry can really thrive when we let ourselves because we love that communication aspect and that building community aspect mm-hmm. and sharing that story regularly and also sharing and celebrating the abundance, right? right. We're talking right. about the lean issues right now, but mm-hmm. arguably there'll be times when things are really abundant right. and how to really celebrate those or add things of value Right. And they could be anything, but it's that relationship with the farmer that yep. draws a lot of people to CSA. I was going to say everybody, but maybe not, you know, but, but still there's a yep. reason why people choose that versus just going to the grocery store and right. buying their vegetables. And I like the word you chose. You can celebrate that. And another person might say, you can market that. And they tend to be the <laughs> same thing. No, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You can market like, look, we are in this together. I mean, my legal commitment to you is shared risk and reward. And this is something you want. Your commitment is real and true and authentic. And that's also how you can you can make the membership agreement for a CSA with the signature at the bottom feel less transactional. You know, you don't you don't want to be like, thank you for joining my CSA, now sign this. That's not what we're going for. You can say, thank you so much for joining my CSA. I want our commitment to each other to mean something. And so I have this, um, you know, I have this list of, of expectations or have this member commitment form that's really going to memorialize what we're doing for each other here today. And that's a good thing. That is honest marketing. It's, it's a legit expression of who you are as a farmer. And there's nothing slimy or weird or, you know, too legal or mistrusting about it. Terrific. Great. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.